Hello, it's Matt and Becky here from Local Zero. Just a quick note to say before the episode starts that from April 2024, Local Zero will be looking for some new funding to keep it going. We never imagined when we started three years ago that we'd rack up tens of thousands of listens across 130 countries and with a website hosting over 80 episodes. We've also met and worked with some incredible people, including Chris Stark, Hannah Ritchie, Jim Ski, Hugo Tacom, and so many more. And we've been able to showcase so many amazing local climate initiatives from all over the UK and far beyond. But sadly, keeping the pod going costs money. If you or your organisation would like to partner up with the pod as we move into an exciting new chapter, then do reach out to us. You can contact us via our email, localzeropod at gmail.com. That's localzeropod at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can contact us on X, formerly Twitter, at localzeropod, or on LinkedIn, direct to Matt Hannon or Rebecca Ford. Finally, to help us in our quest to secure funding, we want to hear positive stories from listeners about how the pod has influenced your life and your work. We hope to do a very special episode on this too. So please help us continue the fight against climate change and bring local climate action to doorsteps across the world. Thanks for listening. Now back to the pod. Welcome to Local Zero. You're here with Becky, Matt and Fraser, and this is a super special COP debrief episode. So the three of us, busy, busy weeks last uh, last couple of weeks. How are we all feeling now? Now it's over. Still recovering, honestly. <laughs> still, <laughs> still recovering. The, the hangover of all hangovers. The way that I described it when we were talking about it before was it it feels like if an election night lasted for two weeks where you don't want to miss anything that's happened, any coverage. You're trying to go to events in Hustons and town halls and and official stuff, unofficial stuff. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I think I hit the wall probably on Saturday just as it was wrapping up, completely hit the wall and I've been pretty much just horizontal ever since, which has actually been quite nice. (laughs) Yeah, I totally understand how you feel. I mean, for me, part of the challenge was just figuring out what was actually on and where where it was on and then realizing that you had to get from you know one end of a building to halfway across Glasgow or something yeah. and <laughs> yeah. it was it was absolute chaos and carnage and I, I now understand the advice that was given to Matt and myself before before we went into this which was you'll want to do about eight things at the same time and it, you're basically your whole task at COP is going to be juggling the, the multitude of things you want to go to. And of course, it's not just the official stuff, right? There's so much people in town, a lot, a couple of listeners as well, but people in town, whether it's activists, academics, journalists, that we all wanted to catch up with because we don't often get a chance to catch up with them, which meant, you know, going to the pub. And it just felt like the there was the whole the daytime stuff and then evening time stuff that was constant as well. It was round the clock, round the clock. For the first time ever, everybody was in Glasgow. I mean, I know not everybody because there'll be people listening to this. Well, I didn't go. And and (laughs) sadly, you know, many people couldn't. But it it felt like for two weeks, everybody, you know, or most organizations were represented. And so, as you say, yeah. there was always the opportunity. And I'd regularly be missing like three or four people at the same time. You know, there was, they all clashed. And so you just had to kind of go with the yeah. flow and just, you ended up somewhere and you really had to put your kind of, you know, FOMO, like fear of missing out just like at the door. Because yeah. otherwise you'd just be kind of leading this sort of anxious state, you know, for two whole weeks. I think I'm still yeah. in that anxious state. <laughs> 
So team, now that we are in this kind of post-cop reflecting back, we usually do our good, bad and weird about news articles, but I feel like we've got an opportunity to reflect on the good bits of cop, the bad bits of cop and just the plain weird. So Fraser, what was what was like the best bits for you? I guess selfishly, personally, I'm getting to meet lots of people who we know from through the show, who have been on the show before. It was really, really good to see people. But I think where I where I felt at my at my happiest, where I where I felt like there was most power and most stuff getting done was in those activist events, those mm-hmm. different there was a lot of movement um sort of organizing sessions where people from all over the world were coming together to plan. There was the big marches, obviously, the big speeches were great. But I think for me was obviously we had, and I'm I'm not saying that the, the Glasgow bin strike was in any way like a highlight of it. I'm still we're still living the repercussions of that just now. Yes. But there was a few days, so I joined with some other climate activists and and uh, sort of trade unionists and workers' rights people. We joined with the bin strikes. We brought all of those kinds of the social justice, the climate justice stuff together. And there were just big parties on picket lines and big parties on the marches too. So that, that kind of the enormous sense of, of solidarity, not just within people who you would imagine are already concerned about climate, but across across the city. So when we marched, I was marching next to, we said that already with, with you know people from the unions and workers, but also like people from community groups from the east of Glasgow, from the north of Scotland, from everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. People that we don't normally think of as being, air quotes, climate people, mm. taking an interest, yeah. getting involved and screaming for climate justice. I thought it was amazing. I thought and so much of it was not just empowering and not just sort of angry or riled up, but genuinely like heartwarming, good fun, hopeful, I would say it was. So yeah, that, that was it for me, the solidarity yeah. of it all. It was a buzz. There was a buzz of energy about, about the event. And obviously I missed the one on the Saturday, but just the youth march was was unbelievable and chatting to some of the quite young school kids that were so so engaged they just knew so much it was it was very hopeful and it was really it was really nice to see so yeah completely agree it it was interesting to take my two along so you know they're they're not even five yet and if you haven't listened to the pod go back and listen to the the climate (laughs) march we did with them it's essentially my son just shouting as loudly into the microphone as possible at any given opportunity um but uh it was amazing you could see throughout the day like the penny was starting to drop because you know they're having to think about these big you know ideas of climate change of uh, you know of nature of waste and It occurred to me at that moment in time, education starts then, education starts at the very earliest age about these topics. And you drew that line between that and what they're going to be doing at nursery and school and uh, and secondary school. And um, yeah, even in that day, it felt like massive education for them and myself as a parent. Quite profound, actually. And and I really enjoyed it. Exhausting. We walked about three miles all told, and then they just fell asleep at St. George's Square. Uh, Sorry, George George Square. And uh, you had to kind of scoop them up and pop them on the train. But all fun. <laughs> so was that your best bit, Matt, or were other parts kind of uh, hitting home for you even stronger? I enjoyed it a lot. I echo Fraser's point. There are many f- people who I've worked with, uh, even at Strathclyde, but all over, all over the UK and beyond, who I met for the first time. So yeah. to all those who are listening, it was great to meet you finally. Yes. Hopefully you feel the here, same. Here. Um, the fringe events I, I loved, like turns out I'm more of a fringe kind of event guy to cop than the blue zone and green. the blue zone was a fantastic experience and i'm really grateful for getting that pass um mm. but i felt we got to the nub of the issue almost outside of it it's maybe because it, mm-hmm. it felt more kind of mm. i don't know maybe closer to the issues i'm i'm concerned with but it was a bit less formal and i don't know it, it felt more real 
and yeah. and I enjoyed that. Um, and I think maybe finally just the outcome really. So I feel a bit bittersweet about it, but from some of the better takes I've found on COP26 is that we have an agreement at all and there are there's much of much in there to, to to value is is an important thing and it keeps this debate rolling on to next year and i often think looking back over a year ago or, or a year ago when we had you know trump in power hmm. i often think well could could we have imagined this outcome then and i i personally couldn't so i feel feel happy and optimistic about that yeah no it's a good point so i can i can um take us to the downer and start to talk about the bad. (laughs) (laughs) Desperately trying to avoid that bit. (laughs) Oh, no, I know. And actually, I have to say, there isn't that much that I think was really bad. We've heard a lot of stuff, I think, through the past few weeks about access and inclusivity and how it could have been better. I was on crutches some days and experienced firsthand how difficult some of that was just being at the venue. That being said, it was mostly the structural side of things because every single person I met couldn't have been more helpful. So, mm. um, but for me, one of the things that was really highlighted, and this wasn't even explicitly like at, in the blue zone or at any of the official cop events, but it was during the bike ride that I participated in. And on the last day of the bike ride, we cycled, this was Tuesday of the second week of cop. We cycled from Motherwell into the cop venue. And actually, the second part of that was really good. We were cycling on the canals. It was great. There was space. I can't tell you, though, how petrified I was during the first hour or so of that ride. Well, you were, you were in Motherwell, perfect. Becky. You were in Motherwell. Yeah. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I have to go back but, to Dundee for as you're too close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but mostly just, just from the, the lack of infrastructure to support that travel. And not just being so close to the cars on the side of the road and and let's put this into context right because I was I was in a massive group we were all in branded kit we were very noticeable we had cyclists at the front and the back Mm. showing us the way protecting us and we also had convoy cars as well oh my goodness (laughs) electric let me state for the you know (laughs) for the record so as far as cycling goes I probably couldn't have been safer yet I still felt absolutely terrified um the the entire time that I was on those main roads and part of it was just how close I was to cars and how much they just did not respect cyclists and part of it was just the sheer state of the roads and the potholes and you're sort of going along and then not only is there a car coming up but somebody's parked and there's a big pothole and yeah that was that was really challenging even cycling access to the the SEC you know where where the blue zone was and you only have to Mm -hmm. follow Thomas Cornwallis's uh, Twitter page and his representation we need to get him on here as a regular because we mention him every episode well and you know he 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 did a lot of hard work with with other colleagues wasn't just thomas um pointing out how poor the uh you know this the cycle access to the sec was also storage Mm -hmm. in these issues so yeah a lot lot to do on active travel it it was ironic to be sitting in the blue zone on transport day thinking how few people had arrived there either by foot or by bike Mm -hmm. And and also for me, the other thing is, and I think basically what we're saying is we needed to walk the walk as well as talk the talk, particularly event like COP. And for me, that played out with the food as well. I could not believe that there were not more vegan and climate friendly food mm. options. I did like, which I saw in the blue zone, I don't know if it was there in the green zone, that there was a note against each meal choice that sort of depicted yeah. what its carbon footprint was. That, that was, was quite nice. Mm. I like that. I like that. 
but I still felt, and I and I heard actually um, through the grapevine that the the vegan options or vegetarian options ran out on the last day anyway, so they weren't even mm. there. So clearly, demand for them just just not enough. And this is how sad our conversations are, Becky. When you and I were getting together for the kick around, we were looking through the menu and like analysing all the carbon footprints. And then we got down to venison. It was like that's relatively <laughs> high, but you know, venison isn't good for biodiversity. And, and go through all these things. And then at the end, it's like yeah, and they're eating saplings, which could lead you know as a forestation. And then it's like oh, this is. I just get me some vegetable soup and let me go. <laughs> I'll just go sit down. Uh, but yeah, it was was confusing. Um, I mean, there's there's yeah. good stuff in yeah. the agreement with you yeah. know doubling of adaptation funding. Um, you know, as Christina Figueres points out, you know the, the debate maybe versus Paris has shifted from two degrees to one point five degrees, and that's that's very much kind of you know what we're trying trying to keep alive. And I think for me, one of the key things was. Uh, you know, the NDCs, uh, nationally determined contributions, we're asking everybody to come back next year, not in 2025, next year mm-hmm. to mm. tighten those. But it wasn't all good news. No, um, no. And I mean, the headlines, I mean, what, what, what bad news caught your eye? Loss and damage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Loss and damage. We, you need, there needed to be more on finance, full stop. We needed to know exactly where the 100 billion was coming from that we've, that we've missed um, however many years in a row. It's mm. not, and I, I don't mean to sound like a naive uh, little guy that's maybe spent too much time shouting about this in the streets recently, but it's not an awful lot of money to come up with, right, for, for most developed countries, for, for wealthy countries to, to, to pull their weight on here. It's not a lot that's being asked, but the effect that it could have if we get it right is enormous for most affected people in most affected areas. We needed that. It felt like in the first week, it felt like we were getting towards it. It felt like something was going to come good on this with much more... Um, much more detail, much more accountability on it, but it never materialised. And I think that's a a huge... Yeah. um, It's going to be a huge letdown to those most affected people, of course, who are now thinking, well, this is now. This is happening to us now. This is immediate. It feels so much like having to deal with something like climate internationally. It just felt like a lot of bad faith around it. I don't know. It feels like maybe a breakdown of trust somewhere that, that could have longer repercussions. Yeah. And, and, the, and there was a speech on this exact topic on the penultimate day. Well, I say penultimate, formerly the penultimate day. It was on the Thursday, which it was our, our last day. And from uh, Vanessa uh, Nakate, who had, who had, who'd made that exact plea, and, you know, there was a, there was one line in there which really stuck with me, which is we are drowning in, broken promises or drowning in promises mm. you know this point yeah. that yeah. It, it doesn't you know we've had enough of these and i was trying to explain uh to, to, to my wife um you know the difference between adaptation funding and the kind of loss and damage and the point being that it's you know the adaptation is about them about the developing countries trying to live with the changes vanessa nakate was making the point there's some stuff we won't be able to live with on top of that we won't be able to go through the industrial revolution in the same way you did you, in the same form and yes adaptation finance will help us do a number of things so to will mitigation but we need to be recompensed it's almost like war reparations mm-hmm. was the best way to kind of f- frame it although it's mm. still not perfect but yeah that that, that was a real shame uh, and re- hopefully we see more of that going forward but uh it wasn't to be this time around yeah I echo what both of you said. And I think, I guess the last point is around the language and, you know, the debate about the different forms of language and what stronger mm. language oh, is yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Phase <laughs> down or phase out. Yeah. 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 It, it felt like the language could have been stronger. Having said that, I also think that this is still quite an achievement. 
and pushing pushing countries into something that perhaps for a number less comfortable with and as long as this is not the end of the story you know mm. i think yeah. if this is if this is the end of the story if we're where we think we're going to get to we're in real hot water if yeah. this is the start of the story where we're going to see you know much more ambition next year stronger language next year then I'm perhaps not as down about it, but I guess it's still a story that needs to be written. And so it, it's kind of hard to know exactly where, where I'm sitting with this yeah. at the moment. Well, and, and hopefully that ratchet of, you know, bringing back these NDCs every year means yeah, that yeah. it's not just, every, you know, a cop in every five years is most critical. You know, people are yeah. having to bring back their plans, ratchet up that ambition year on year. And that yeah. really opens up a dialogue and, and achieves yeah. hopefully what you're outlining. Uh, but we well. shall see. Now, there was some pretty weird, weird stuff as well, right? So <laughs> what was the weirdest thing yes. you saw, Becky? Because I know you saw a fair bit of weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I actually took a photo of it because I, I stopped sort of, you know, what is it, jaw dropped when I saw it. And it was when I was in the blue zone. So all of the different countries and, and a number of organizations that have their own little stands, pavilions, and they're quite different, you know. They're really generally reflective in some capacity of what the country is is all about. Um, Tuvalu's stand was very interesting. I think it was kind of three or four polar bears, big model polar bears, taller than me, with life jackets on. Mm. And then just in the corner behind them was a penguin hanging itself. Oh, <laughs> big yeah. noose around its neck. <laughs> yes. Yeah, strong, That's strong heavy. heavy. That's I, yeah. I know like climate is heavy and it's it's horrible and so much but there's something about that like of a blown up toy penguin that just feels so obscene. But the, the pavilions the pavilions in themselves were odd. It's like yeah. for those who weren't haven't been in the, the, the blue zone. I mean I guess imagine the closest thing is an expo, right? A big international mm -hmm. expo, whether it's energy or, or anything else, water or industry. But but instead of companies, they were countries. But then if you looked hard enough in each of the country's stands, you'd see the hallmarks of companies who were sponsoring the pavilions. So like the UK pavilion had a whole host of sponsors. They weren't, weren't especially large, but you could see them. And then you're trying to draw the line between that company and or that country and that company. Yeah, and, and thank you to all the pavilions that provided me with really, really nice coffee during the week. Yes. Very, very grateful <laughs> yes. for that. God bless you. <laughs> the place I was most blown away by was the uh, New York Times uh, Climate Hub. Uh, the opportunity to stand in the, in the, well to talk I was invited uh, which was kind of them to, to to speak and they'd so they planted roughly 197 trees and after the event after COP they were going to plant those in in the local area and I thought that was that was a theme I saw a couple of times I heard uh, reading something today from the SEC in the blue zone it was 6,000 pieces of furniture from Ikea that they're going to look wow. to give away to the local area which brings me nicely, lovely little segue <laughs> into what the local legacy of COP will be. And you know that might be a physical legacy, but we're hoping in Glasgow and obviously other cities and towns in Scotland and beyond what the legacy will be. So what do you hope it, it, it might be? I hope that people got engaged. You know, it was, it was exciting. There was a buzz about the city. Um, having said that, it was I had this bizarre moment after after coming along to the Youth Climate March and hearing you talk, Fraser, which was great, and then kind of walking away and walking down Buchanan Street, the main shopping street, 
And this immediate transition from people kind of buzzing and talking about climate to just people getting on and shopping and doing their everyday um, activities, piling up with Christmas gifts, no idea what was happening, just kind of two blocks away. So it was a bit of a bizarre juxtaposition for me there. And I, I don't know if I'm in a, in a bit of an echo chamber and, and hopeful that people are getting engaged because it's happening here or whether for a huge number of people, they just yeah. have no idea that it was going on. Yeah, so it's cut through, isn't it? Has it yeah. cut through to anybody? I mean, Fraser, have you experienced anybody who maybe wasn't engaged with this before who's like, oh, right, hang on, something's happening here. What, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of examples of that. I've got quite a lot, actually. But I was at, I was at my barber this morning, uh, James, who I've, who's cut my hair for years and years, young guy, same age as me. And he is not your typical climate guy by any. He's from the East End of Glasgow, thick accent, swears every other every other word, not dissimilar to myself. Um, but he is not not, not, not on not this your, pod, of course. Not on this pod, of course, no, because because <laughs> you won't let me. But <laughs> and our listeners are nicer than my usual clientele. But he's he's not your your typical climate guy. Um, but he was getting engaged and he was asking me questions about it. He was having the conversation, and of course, like partly because he knew I was involved with it. I don't know if. If you've not been involved, if you're if you're connected at all, but a lot of friends that I have, who aren't as climatey as as we are on this podcast, or mm-hmm. the listeners are generally speaking, were really excited about the hustle, the bustle mm-hmm. of it. They were excited that something big was happening in Glasgow, and I think it I think it did cut through. I think it cut through quite a lot. Now, like Becky says, you could go a couple of streets away from the big marches, and and maybe people weren't talking about it as the the most immediate thing but there was a big worry and certainly a worry that I had was that people were going to be apathetic or resentful to the fact that the city was being mm. um it, like cop was happening to Glasgow that's what we thought beforehand and actually my my experience um hasn't been that people have been much more into it whether whether that maintains or sustains we don't know for sure but I think people felt much more positively about it and I think I would I would jump that into what I'd mentioned before about the kind of the movement stuff and all these different sort of workers and social justice movements mm-hmm. and poverty campaign and all these things coming together with climate. I think for me, the legacy is that new formed connection and new understanding and a new awareness of climate justice, which you actually, if you listen to Radio Scotland now, you watch the Scottish news, anything like that, it's now, it's become a much more common term, which I think this time last year, Probably wasn't all that conceivable, but now it's something that's that, that's being spoken about. So yeah, I, I think the le- a very long way to say I think the legacy has been net positive so far, but we'll have to wait and see if it sustains. Of course, yeah. I mean, and of course, the legacy will be the policies that come out of the, the yes. agreement yes. at a national level, and how they how they then filter down through layers of government to actual implementation. So yeah. there's this kind of top down and bottom up. The top down, you know policy and what big business is doing which chris stark on a, on another pod planet pod which is a, a an episode well worth listening to you know he said if anybody was leading the debate it was kind of industry if anything at, at this pod but you've got that top down but then the bottom up is what you're talking about fraser that kind of grassroots response to it and it feels like the gap is narrowing yeah and I that's, that's what i i feel mm-hmm. like we're not quite at that tipping point but i feel we're mm-hmm. teetering and I've been waiting for this for years. <laughs> and hopefully in the next few months or a couple of years, it, it, we then move in the other direction and the momentum is behind us, not against us. And I have to say for me, uh, and I didn't mention this before, but one of the things that really did excite me was the way that local governments, that businesses, that industry were starting to engage in new ways around things that are 
perhaps not typically seen as meaningful to them, but meaningful mm. to communities and so on. But and some of the best some of the best sessions I went to were where we started to see these different actors coming together and, and really talking in a way that I hadn't really heard before. So that really heartened me actually, yeah. looking at what the legacy might be like for some of the for some of the big industry, for the um local authorities. And Matt, we certainly had a great chat. Um yeah you know, about Glasgow and the vision for Glasgow and, and where that's going. And so hopefully some of the spirit of COP can be really stamped into the actions that are going to be implement, implemented in the coming years. I think so. And I guess that brings us on to us and our pod, what, you know, the legacy for this. So I guess the first <laughs> thing to say is if you haven't listened to the sort of back catalogue over the last two weeks, we were uh, pushing kind of pods out here and there. We weren't ever quite sure what we were going to kind of record and when. <laughs> no. and, and, you know, huge sort of uh, uh, thanks to our production team for, for making that happen. Um, so if you haven't listened to those, please do. And I, we're hoping we kind of catch a little bit of the essence of, of our cops. Um, but looking forward, you know, we're, I think we're, we're back to business as usual, right? We are. We are indeed. Every, every so. fortnight on a Thursday morning, yeah. new episodes uh, will be dropped straight into your inbox. And, what I, I would like to do, I think, if we can, is, you know, the legacy for the pod from us is to try and get out and about a bit more. I thought that was really good fun. Oh, amazing. Um, so if, yeah. if we can, we might just do that because um, that was great. That was really good speaking to people in the moment um, and also to each other. And, and uh, yeah, had a lot of fun doing that. Yes. Agree. So until then, um, we wish the listeners all the best. And uh, yeah, I guess it's back to trying to make a little bit more sense of what COP26 means and back to the day job in my, my inbox, which is like a dumpster fire right now. <laughs> and don't forget to get in touch with us over Twitter at Local Zero Pod, or if you have a longer inquiry or something you'd like to add, localzeropod at gmail.com. And of course, to our dedicated fan base, Fraser will be producing future or fiction in the upcoming episodes. Yeah. So get yeah. your knowledge on back. for that. Yeah. We're coming <laughs> back. But until then. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Produced by Bespoken Media.